I love that we can have fun here. Does anybody else feel compelled to clap all four times at the beginning? Every single time you hear that song, I can't not. So I just love that we have so much fun here and that we can use this in a roundabout way to connect us to God's Word as we have this new series that we started called Pivot. And so I um, want to introduce myself. My name is Ashley Berger. I'm the worship director here. Didn't the band, I hate when people do this when I'm in the band, but didn't they do amazing? My heart is so full. I never get to worship when other people lead, and it was just, I was pouring it out back there. It's amazing. So I heard a friend say this week that they love how messy faith church is. And when that comment came out, being on staff, I'm like, have you ever had that panic where your brain like scans really quick to find the meaning behind a comment? And so I was like, oh, what does that mean? Is that a good thing? I don't know if that's a good thing. And I'm thinking through all the things. But then they continued to say, like, it just shows that you're real. You're authentic. Like, we don't have pretenses of, I've got it all together. Why don't you? There's none of that. <clears throat> and I love that we are so messy as well. And so I hope when you come you know that you are welcome, that this is a place for everyone. As we're just seeking our Father's face, we're trying to see who he is and let him draw us in and understand more and more about his love for us and what it all means. So as we start this series, Pivot, I am standing here because I am in the midst of the biggest pivot of my life. And I want to invite you in to some of my own mess I believe when we share stories, when we share the true stuff that's going on, that's when connections can happen. That's when we can see, oh, God's working on you in that way. Maybe he'll do it for me too, and it can invite you to do it, or whatever it is, connections happen. And that's the whole point of this, right? So I'm going to walk you through some of my personal mess, and um, just bear with me for a minute. So the day I was born... I cried a lot, or so they tell me. As a kid, I would leave my cousins or my grandparents' house from an awesome visit, and I would cry as I was saying goodbye because I already knew I was going to miss them so much. In elementary school, I'd be playing with the neighbors, and another neighbor girl who had just moved in would come to their house and invite them to go swimming at the park in town. Well, invite them, but not me. And so I would be sent home because I wasn't included in the invitation. And I was the left out girl. I cried all the way home wondering what was wrong with me? Why, why couldn't I go too? Why didn't they like me too? I was the last one to turn in my spelling test in fourth grade and I would cry from embarrassment. And the teacher, who actually was one of my favorites, would be like, hey, steady and slow wins the race. But it pointed it out to the whole class. So now I'm the slow person that isn't as smart as all the other kids. I would cry from embarrassment. My grandpa died when I was nine. August of 1994, it was my mom's father, and she was so sad. Him and I weren't that close, but I was so sad for my mom losing her dad. So the day before the, the funeral was the viewing, I cried so heartbrokenly distraught all day long that the day of the service, I sat as far away from my family as I could, and I refused to cry. I shut it down. That's the one time I successfully did that. <laughs> it's not a skill that I have. <laughs> a friend in middle school, her parents split up, and it was super messy. She was really sad. I was destroyed for her. First time uh, seeing the blue lights behind me on my way to school in high school, I cried. It did not stop me from getting a ticket. <laughs> 
A similar example, when I was a junior, I forgot something from home, so I backed up my car like a boss to get back to the driveway, except I was not, in fact, a boss. And I hit all four of my neighbor's mailboxes at one time. <laughs> For a disclaimer, they were all on one pole, but still, <laughs> I cried as my father marched me from house to house to say what happened and tell them I was sorry. <laughs> it was awful. So then I was the girl who didn't know how to back up her car, <laughs> which... To this day, I'm thankful for my backup camera. <laughs> Forward fast to present day. My daughter has an IEP. It's an individualized educational plan. And we have at least one meeting, sometimes two every year. And I've successfully made it through one out of nine without crying. I'd say that's a win. Um, I lead worship. If you've been here more than one week, or because I wasn't up today, but if you've been here, you know that I cry almost every time I lead worship. I'm the crier. I read a book. I watch a movie. I cry. I serve on the prayer team. I cry oftentimes more than the person we're praying for. And Jasmine Burgess was sitting up front, and she's like, true story. When I said that out loud, <laughs> she's witnessed it. So I'm the crier. I'm the emotional girl. I say all of this because of this pivot that I'm in right now. I have a friend that's a pastor, and he always says, the biggest battle you will ever, ever fight is in your mind. Because that's when the enemy attacks. That's where he goes to disqualify you, to label you. I know you've all been labeled, whether it's by yourself or by friends or some experience in life. You've all had labels as well. And that's where he gets to us. So Pastor Nate, last week as he introduced the series, he had a basketball. And he talked about your pivot foot and how you might change direction over and over and over and when we pivot, it doesn't mean it's bad. It doesn't mean we don't know what we're doing. It means we're not giving up. We're trying to make the right choice. We're trying to understand whatever it might be. And I am still not 100% always in the right spot. But I keep pivoting because I refuse to give up and let the enemy win. So I want to remind you guys today, as I'm reminding myself daily, who you are I want you to think through. It's kind of a discussion that you'll have with yourself, hopefully, as I continue talking and as we dig into the word. Um, I want you to think through who you are and allow yourself to pivot a little bit. You might hear the voice of doubt. You might hear disqualification. You might not agree with things, but that's okay. It's all part of the process of growth. So I want to take us all the way back to Genesis Genesis 1, 28 and 31, God had created all the things, the heavens, the earth, the animals. On the last day, he created man and woman, and God blessed them. God looked over all he had made and saw that it was very good. That is the only time that the word very is in there, the emphasis of just how good it is. And that's because we are his beloved. You're going to hear that a lot today, too. You are his beloved. You're made in his image. You delight your father. Just looking at you and knowing who you are brings him joy. So I have a life group on Thursday morning. There's four of us ladies that get together every week, and we're going through a book called Known. I meant to have a picture, so I don't know if you guys can see it at all. Um, but it's called Known. It's by Aud Aubrey Sampson. And the tagline is, How Believing Who God Says You Are Changes Everything. And it's just rocked our world in an amazing way. We've seen um, just such growth through it. And so I want to kind of use this 
Um, it's kind of inspired the message. We did something. Um, Holy Spirit has led us, and we've experienced some cool things. So you guys all have a note card on your seat. Um, and if you are at home, and um, I, we're going to do an exercise in a few minutes. And so I would like for you to grab something to write with, grab a paper and pen or a note card or whatever. We're going to use those in a few minutes. Um, pause the video if you need to, whatever. Um, but we're going to use this. And so as we get into this book, we have realized, or the quote, there's a quote at the very beginning that she says, the power that brought the swirling stars, the dazzling snow, the summer sunrises, and the entire cosmos into existence, the power that put on flesh, bore a cross, and conquered death and evil, that same power breathed a name from the breath of his unending love for you. It is your first name and your truest name, beloved. You are his beloved. We've all had labels. We've all had all these things, but they are not from our Father. We are his beloved. In Ephesians 1, 4 through 6, it says, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son, Jesus. That's the New Living Translation. The NIV says something about predestined us to adoption through, uh, through adoption to sonship. And so predestination, that's a whole other ballgame, except as I'm looking at this, and as I've studied, God has given me clarity because that was his plan all along. We were to be his children. He did not want separation. He loves us that much that his plan was for us to be holy and without blame and with him always. So this love that I'm unpacking, that I'm learning, his love is not a conditional kind of love. It's an agape love. Doesn't matter what circumstances, doesn't matter what we do, nothing changes his love for us. His love is not a you are tolerated kind of love. Not an I love you for your potential kind of love. Now I do believe that God sees us when he looks at us. He sees us for what we were created to be. He sees us for the strong, joy-filled, peace-filled people that he created us for. But he loves us where we're at and wants to bring us into that. It's not a get your act cleaned up and then come and see me kind of love. It's not a strive and hustle kind of love. His love is not an earn it if you're lucky kind of love. Or an as long as you follow the rules kind of love. Does that strike a chord with anybody? I grew up in church. I knew how to sit, where to sit, how to dress, what to say, when not to say. And if I didn't do those things, I was in trouble. <laughs> and that just paints such a picture of God of like he's like, squashing you down just to make you do those things. That's not how he is. It's not a put you on a scale and measure you kind of love. It's the purest love you will ever know because you are his beloved. One more quote from Aubrey. She says, his love is warm, soothing wine. His love is a bandage that binds. His love finds you, abandoned in your trauma and rejection, lifts you out and brings you home where your hungry, hurting soul can at last find its fill, can at last find rest in him. 
One thing that I've started doing in my own, um, I don't want to call them disciplines because that sounds, that has like a stigma to it too, but in my own time of worship and my own time with God is I've started kneeling. When the worship music is playing, when I'm praying, whatever it is, I feel like it takes away all the distraction and I can just come to him and know that he's there waiting for me to hold me. It reminds me of like in the monarchy times when somebody would kneel and they put their head down to bow to the king, they're offering their life. Because if the king wasn't happy, for, wasn't happy with you, your head could easily come off in that position. <laughs> but you're just saying, you're loyal, your devotion is to him. So when I kneel in my time of worship, it's just me like asking him, Lord, my life is yours. Speak with me. Help me to hear your voice. You are his beloved. I have a friend who is amazing in every way. Her joy and her selflessness inspire me every day. And she's still struggling to believe this about herself. And I believe that that's a lot of us as well. It's so hard to hear these words for ourselves because we all have this question, but why am I just so blank? And our blank is going to be listed with different things for everybody. Mine is why am I just so emotional? Why do I feel so deeply? It's plagued me all of my life. My sister is eight years older than me, and I love her. But back then, she was not kind to me, and there was a lot of laughter and name-calling and finger-pointing and, oh, Ashley's crying again, and that labeled me that way too. She didn't have time for me. She didn't whatever. It just, these were not good feelings to have when I had all the feelings already. So my question is, why am I just so emotional? So here's where we're going to get into this activity with the note cards. Because we all have this about ourselves. We all have one, sometimes two or three, but one main thing that just kills us, that we do it all the time, or whatever it is. So I want you guys to kind of reflect on that. We're actually going to play a song um, in a minute here. The words will be on the screen. We're going to play it from Spotify. Um, and I just want you to sit in this. I want you to take your note card and write at the top, why am I just so... Blank. Or you can rephrase that question. Mine was, you gave me deep emotion. Why? Why am I just so emotional? Because, guys, I believe that the thing we hate the most about ourselves is oftentimes the thing we have the most potential for God to use. I'm going to say that again. I believe that the thing we hate the most about ourselves is often the thing we have the most potential for God to use. And God is growing me in this. And we'll get to that point. But I just want you to sit in this. And as we listen to this song, keep your pen out. Because I believe when we ask Holy Spirit, he will answer us. He will tell you why you're just so blank. I've used Psalm 139 probably too much, but it's just so beautiful. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. You guys were created intentionally, every single piece of you, even the so whatever it is piece of you. So let's sit and let's ask God, why?
thought I worked that out good, but apparently not. Did you get an answer? I'm not going to make you guys line up and share it all or anything like that, but I want you to trust. If you heard something, you heard something. Listening to Holy Spirit's voice is a skill that I've only just started unpacking, but it all it comes through faith, trusting that you do have that direct connection with your Father God. If you're comfortable, I would, I would encourage you to share with somebody, your spouse, a good friend, whatever you want to do, because I bet that they will reinforce it. And if you heard something that does not build you up, that brings you down, that brings shame, that brings guilt, whatever, that is absolutely 100% not your father's voice. Because you are his beloved, he only wants the best for you. He only speaks love and joy. God's great love for me simply and profoundly is because God is simply and profoundly love. We've heard that before. God is love. Put yourself in the shoes. Read it in your own voice. God's great love for me simply and profoundly is because God is simply and profoundly love. He's pursuing you. He loves you. You are fully known and deeply, deeply loved, just as you are. Um, I may have shared this story before. I don't know for certain. But New Year's Eve 2021, I was with friends, and we decided we were going to worship in the new year. So we started at like 1130 that day, and... um, that night, I should say, not like 11.30. That would be a long worship night. It would be awesome, but it would be long. <laughs> By 11.30 at night, just before midnight, crossing over into 2021, and he's just like, ask God what he has for you this year. And so I did. So I asked God, I'm kneeling, and I'm singing, and I'm praying, and I asked God what he has for me, and I see the word free kind of like illuminated. I kind of like see it up in here, I guess. And so I see the word free, and I'm like, okay, God, who is this for? What does that mean? And my friend was like, if you don't understand it, ask him and I'll tell you. So I said, okay, God, I need you to explain this to me. And he gave me the verse, Galatians 6, 1, 5, 1. Galatians 5, 1. And it, is, it says, it is for freedom that Christ came to set us free. Therefore, do not again take up the yoke of slavery. And I'm like, okay, God, who's this for? And I almost could feel like his hand on my heart just saying, it's for you. I didn't understand it because like I'm not, I'm not a slave. I'm not being forced to do something I don't want to do. I, I just didn't understand it. And then all of a sudden, all these labels, left out girl, not enough, all these things, those experiences in my life started something where I put people's opinions of me up here. And that's how I viewed myself. Guys, that is a battle you will not win because everybody has a different opinion. Everybody has a different voice. And sometimes they're really strong and they really crumble you inside. And the only voice that matters is your Father God's. The only voice that matters. So that is the day, New Year's Eve 2021, that is the day that I accepted my freedom and I'm doing all I can not to let that happen again not to take up that yoke of slavery because that really does tie you down. 
So in my life group when we did this, um, I got a couple of things about why I'm so emotional. And the last one that I heard was to show me intimately how his very spirit feels. That I am one with him. That's scriptural. That's not me thinking I'm something amazing because I'm only amazing because he's amazing. I am one with him and it shows me intimately how his spirit feels. When I'm in a prayer session and the person is sitting there and they were never allowed to cry growing up and they're telling this awful story and I'm sitting there sobbing. That is a present picture of how her father felt for her. And that opens up that connection for her. And I see this as a gift now. Pastor Nate talked about like your old understanding and your new understanding. My new understanding is that my experience with that neighbor girl asking everyone but me has taught me what it's like to feel left out. And that is my mission in life. I never want anyone to feel that way. It's awful. Everyone should be included. Everyone is in God's family. He came for everyone, not for an elite few. I'm teaching, I'm trying to teach my girls the same thing. Now I see that when I cry during worship, it's because I've tasted and I've seen how the Lord is good. And when I see you guys raising your hands and you guys filling yourself up with joy, it delights my heart so much that my eyes overflow. And it goes beyond, my friend reminded me this this week, it goes beyond crying and sadness. I'm not just crier, I'm also so full of joy at times. In my house, we, um, the night before somebody's birthday, I always stay up really late after they've gone to bed, and I decorate the table and the dining room because that way when they wake up, it's special for them. It's their birthday. I want them to know how loved they are. That brings me so much joy. When I feel like I've heard a word from the Lord for somebody, it brings me so much joy that I get to be the one to share it and hope and pray that it means something. We're not called to be perfect. That brings me joy as well. (laughs) God is using my emotional craziness, as I would call it, and he's using it to bring him glory in sometimes seemingly random ways, except I believe that God is not random. Everything he does has a purpose. So as we head into this time of communion, the band is going to come and you will be able to take it on yourself. If you have not taken, grabbed a cup, there's some right back here in the center aisle. Feel free to get up and grab one so you can participate if you didn't do it on the way in. Um, But as we move into this, I just wanted to read from Romans 5.8. It says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And I've heard this, I've heard this um, verse Who knows how many times? It's not an uncommon one. But I'm starting to have a pivot in this as well. It's a new understanding. Jesus was willing to go to the cross because of his great love for us. If you look and you read, I believe it's in John, he says that my joy will be complete in doing this for them. He wasn't thinking, oh, these terrible people, I have to, like, all the torture and all this and whatever. It's not because we were terrible sinners. It's because he values us that much. So during this time, as they sing and they declare truth over us, if there's something you need to tell God, tell him. He delights in communication with you. Thank him 
for forgiving you if there's something that needs forgiving. I heard recently a message that says we don't need to ask for forgiveness. If you're always asking for something, you're never certain that you're gonna get it. God, will you forgive me? God, will you forgive me? His word says he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins. Same scripture, I'm not changing scripture. These are the things that I've grown up thinking all my life. We have to ask, we have to beg, we have to plead. He says we can approach his throne with confidence. He values us that much. The Holy Spirit, we are leading into you, leaning into you as our advocate, as our guide. Would you show us in a tangible way your great love for us? Jesus, we thank you for giving your life. We thank you for the value you placed on our own. You are so, so good. We love you and we give this time to you. Please continue speaking to us. May we hear your voice louder and clearer than all others. Amen.